It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. And you all, I'm just grateful that I had a praying mother. I wondered, did anybody have a praying mother, father, auntie, grandmama, somebody prayed for you? And my concern, church, is that we are breeding a church, not just us, but the church. We're breeding congregations that don't pray for the lost. That are not burdened by people that are far from God. You had an auntie praying for you. You had a grandmama or mama praying for you, but if you're a mama at the age of 18 and 19 and you've never been to church, you don't know to pray for your child or grandchild. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I think the message says the irreligious, I became like not one of them having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those who are irreligious. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. And I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. Church, the reason for this series is that we want to hear the people in our world. We want to hear the people in our communities. We want to hear the people that live and work and play around us so that we can learn them and we can understand them. Not Listen, not to judge them, not to pass judgment on them. Can I just say something to y'all? You do know what sinners do, don't you? They sin. So don't be confused and sideways. I can't believe sinners sin. So don't be surprised by the actions of people that are far from God or, or may not have a knowledge of God the way that you do. Our job is to not condemn. If Jesus, when he came to the earth, did not condemn, then those of us who represent him are not to condemn. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Well, wait a minute, Pastor. Are you saying that we shouldn't stand by the word? And I'm a fruit inspector. I'm, 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 I'm just saying if the word says this, true enough. But here's the question. Listen, listen. Was it the law that, that drew you? Was it God's don't do's and don't do and don't do that made you a Christian? Or was it the love of God that led you to repentance? Here's the question. The Bible says it is the love of God that leads people to change. It is not the requirement because none of us can keep it. 
Have you read the Ten Commandments? Have you broke any of them? You cannot keep the law, but we can be loved by God who can fill us with his spirit and allow his nature to do in us what we could not do without him. That is what Christianity is. So church, I want you to get in your mind right now as we go up to Thanksgiving in a few days. Because some of y'all are going to be entering into some conversations that you've never had before. Never been more division, never been more schisms over everything. I need you to think about somebody that you know is far from God. Think about them. Is it, a, is, it a, is it a nephew? Is it a cousin? Is it a sibling? Is it a coworker? Is it a neighbor? Is it, who is it in your world that you know does not have a relationship with Jesus? Think about them. Those that are watching, I need you to do the same. And listen, you may be watching. You might be like, that's me. Oh, we want you to know there's no condemnation. There's love here for you. But I need you to just think about the person that's far from God. And would you just in your own way whisper a prayer to God on their behalf God would you save them would you open a door would you touch their heart would you make a heart of stone a heart of flesh would you do that would you do that pray for them pray for them Heavenly Father we thank you for another Sunday another privilege that we get to gather together as the church knowing Jesus that you are the very reason that we live and move and have our very existence in our being. God, we pray today for those who are far from you, those at the liquor store up the street, those at the gas station across the way, those at the university, kids going to college that don't know you, making plans about who they'll be and what do and don't know you, professors teaching that don't know you, Athletes at the Little Caesars Arena playing that don't know you. People on the football field playing that don't know you. Concerts going on with performers and audiences. Many of them don't know you. God, would you give your church a burden for the people around us that are far from you? Please, Jesus, give us your heart. That we would be broken by the things that you're broken by that we will be burdened by the things that you're burdened. And Holy Spirit, we pray that in these next few moments that you would breathe on our time, allow the interviews that we hear and that we interact with God to be edifying. We may not agree with everything that we hear, and I'm sure we won't, but God, behind those individuals that we listen to, their stories, that's them, that's their life, and you love them. Help us to love those that you love. And it's in the name that heals and delivers and sets free, that pulls through, in the name that's above every other name, in the name of Jesus, we pray. And all that agree with that said amen and amen. Come on, give Jesus praise. Make it a real one. Give him praise and make it a real praise. I didn't say clap for me. Would you give Jesus a praise and make it a real one? A praise that belongs to a king. A praise that belongs to your deliverer. A praise that belongs to your healer. A praise that belongs to the one that's kept you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. What a blessed Sunday. Listen, you all, I'm excited for all of you that are here. I'm so grateful for those of you that are tuning in. We're in the middle of a series of messages where the church uh, that I get to, to serve and lead are leaning in conversations with people who may be different than what the church normally would listen to. Um, I believe that when Jesus called us to go out into all the world and make disciples and 
to reach everybody, that the only way that you can reach everybody is to have some idea of who the everybody is that you're trying to reach. How can we claim to have a burden for the world and we don't even know the world around us? And the church has done a good job by saying, this is what thus saith the Lord. And this is what the Bible says about you and your people and these people and that people. But the church has to grow and mature in how we love right, how we handle and how we treat people that may not always align with things that we align with. For those who may not agree with the Bible, you know what, that is your choice and I think the great joy of being in America is you've got a chance to choose, right? And even if you're not, some other countries you may be penalized for, but you still have free will. So there are many people that don't believe the Bible. They don't believe the Bible is true. They believe it's written by people. They believe it was written for the purpose of oppression. Whatever your reasons are for not believing the Bible, you can believe your reasons. But listen, I said that the United States governs itself by the Constitution. The laws that come out of uh, our land originate from the Constitution, all right? The church governs itself what's right, what's wrong, what is pleasing to God, and what is not pleasing to God according to the Bible. That means that everything that you will hear from this stage, every interview, every, every person that you'll see on a screen, they are sharing their life story, they are sharing who they are, but we govern our idea of right and wrong, good and bad, by the Bible, all right? So just because we're hearing people, I don't want any, I've been getting emails, so y'all stop believing the Bible. I opened up by saying that we believe the Bible. We have been talking about the Bible since I've been pastoring, but we haven't been listening to people who are far from God, who have different perspectives. And so that is what we're engaged in. So excited to have a dear friend of mine on this interview, uh, Craig Gross. And for many of you all who've been living under who he is, uh, he's a rock star to me. He is literally one of my heroes of the faith. Uh, I got a chance to meet him several years ago uh, as my burden. And you guys, you know this, Citadel, my burden for those who have been trapped in pornography and uh, those who still are involved and engaged in adult entertainment. Again, just a whole sector that the church has just completely acted like doesn't exist. Uh, his burden uh, for that community uh, resulted in the starting of Triple X Church several years ago in Vegas. And I remember when he started it, he ran it past me. Hey, Harvey, I'm getting ready to do this. Uh, and God has done something miraculous. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, we're going to show a video uh, uh, right now uh, that you get a chance to see of him announcing something at Coachella. So hang on, guys, watch this video. Hi, I'm Craig Gross. And back in 2002, I stepped into a world of unknown, the world of sex and porn. And 18 years later, my work's not done there. But today is 420, and it's also Easter tomorrow, and I'm at Coachella. And I wanted to start a new conversation today. And it's a larger conversation than just recreational or medicinal, legal or illegal. THC or CBD, but a conversation about the emotional, physical, and dare I say, spiritual effects that I've had with this controversial plant. It's called Christian cannabis. Not because such a thing exists, but because my hope is to encourage people that follow Jesus and open our eyes to some misunderstandings that we have about this controversial plant. The conversation wouldn't exist if you're not part of it. So I welcome it, introducing ChristianCannabis.com. 
This message wasn't just for the Coachella crowd. This message actually in this conversation starts now, this week. It's for Christian leaders, it's for people in the church, it's for people that, that follow Jesus that go, you know what, 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 what is okay, what is not okay? Man, I'd like to learn more about this. I'm kind of wondering, you know, how's this all gonna land? I, I said it was a coin toss. And I feel like right now that the coin's still in the air, if that makes sense. My desire isn't to be controversial or shocking or have opponents. My true desire with this is to have a conversation about a plant that has helped me. What will my friends say? My family? Will everyone think I've just fallen off the deep end? What will that feel like? To be honest, it's much harder to step out and risk something like this at 43 years old than it was at 20-something. But the same wife who's been with me through these past two decades is standing by my side now. My two children enjoy the father that I'm becoming in large part thanks to the very medicine I'm talking about. So I stand in peace before the Lord. And in the end, that's all that matters. So did you like the video, guys? I mean, so you got a chance to hear him just now uh, announcing at Coachella on 420 uh, a big announcement. So you all, Craig Gross, uh, a friend of mine, brother in the Lord, welcome to Citadel of Faith Church and to all those that are watching online. Uh, so glad to have you. Tell us a little bit about, uh, first of all, just your story uh, of you and coming coming to faith, a little bit of a, a short end of that. Uh, I kind of talked about Triple X Church, but what has led you to this point in your life, particularly around the subject of cannabis? And I'll let you just kind of go at it, bro. Man, um, <laughs> so yeah, at 17, I went on a mission trip um, to Venezuela. And the last 33rd day of the trip, um, playing tennis and soccer, sharing faith, there was a call to full-time ministry. And I stood up and I said, yeah, I'm going to give my life to full-time ministry. And I came back, my mom and dad were like, well, you're going to be a pastor and how we struggled with, with what that would look like. And I didn't think it was going to be a church, but yeah, I said, I'll be a pastor. So I found a Christian college with the least amount of rules and no dress code and no curfew. That's literally all I cared about and studied youth ministry. And, um, like you had a passion for the youth. And I thought, well, you know what, I can figure out how to gather youth together through music and events. And, um, my friend and I were deeply impacted, I think, by our youth pastor. He met with me every week at McDonald's at 630 in the morning on Wednesdays. He taught me how to pray, taught me how to, me and Jake, how to hold each other accountable, how to talk about real things. And so I was like, let's just be Tom Ramsey. You know, like Tom does the same thing today now um, for about 12 NFL athletes and just that's all he does. He was never into the big things. And so to me, it was just the impact. Jesus worked with 12 people. So yeah. I studied church ministry. I became a youth pastor. And then Jake and I went on to start um, a ministry called Fireproof Ministries. Um, in 2002, we decided to start Triple X Church as a response to help kids that were struggling online. I didn't want to become the porn pastor. I didn't know that was a thing. I just thought I'll talk about something no one's willing to talk about. And it took off. Um, but 20 years into it, I didn't like, 
I didn't like who I was, man. I didn't like, mm. my wife didn't like who I was. Um, mm. I went too fast, too quick, all for the sake of Jesus. Yeah, I got sick, man, after my dad had died, after um, a lot of generational stuff that I don't think my dad looked at, that then it was mm. up to me. And I remember it was the first time um, my health was just in, I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to, to travel. I wasn't able to, I was in six different emergency rooms over the course of nine months uh, on top of having two different concussions and a series of things that if the Lord was just trying to get my attention, it was just slow down, slow down, stop. So I cleared my schedule for six months. I didn't get on the road. I didn't do anything. Um, and that was one of the hardest things for me. Um, and one day I'm watching CNN, uh, weeds documentary shows up on church, on uh, church yeah. on Sunday. And I tried prescriptions. Uh, I never tried the medicine that I was getting prescribed for all the different things doctors thought might be wrong with me from MS to early onset of seizures to, oh, well, you're just dealing with depression or like, man, I was healthy my whole life. And after my dad had died, I knew I had this chance to, to really look at some things that that maybe he wasn't will, willing to look at. And um, in the meantime, I thought, you know what, cannabis is uh, is medically okay here and illegal in California. Um, I'm gonna go get a medical card and I'm gonna try to fill that prescription rather than, you know, the big pharma prescriptions. And I only did that night. I, um, I didn't smoke it because obviously all the stuff we've heard about the devil's lettuce. And so it was like, okay, well, I could eat a piece of candy with sugar in it, but I can't smoke it. Uh, I don't want to tell anyone. And I hate doing things like that. I've preached and I've written books. <laughs> I mean, developed accountability software. I don't want to live in secret. And so for me, um, I liked who I was becoming at night. I had only done this at night. And so slowly people would ask me about some, some of these shifts in my life and what cannabis did for me was it became a teacher, it became a tool that connected me more with myself. It connected me more in my body. And so finally I was like, you know what? I like who I've become at night. I'm gonna use this during the day. Um, that kind of freaked out my family. Like dad has a vape pen or dad's doing this. Are you addicted? Is it gonna be okay? And I started to see just things are shifting. And if you look at the spiritual side of this plant, I think um, the plants are spiritual. As I worked with other people with it, there was finally that sense of, well, I got to tell somebody. And that was a debate of all debates. And it was actually Craig Gershell and Bobby Greenwald at Life Church, who I sat with 10 days, 20 days before I flew that plane. And they said, Craig, you kind of are the guy to run through the fire. And if there's smoke, you'll kind of tell us. And I was like, oh, man, I'm that guy. All right, I'll go. Like, I'll, man, I've lost all the support of the ministry. I mean, I, so much craziness that weekend that we flew yeah. the plane our, our best supporting church of all time called me a drug dealer on stage um, and explain what explain what flying the plane because over coachella well, we flew on the video we flew a plane over coachella on 420 at 420 but like triplexchurch.com i created a conversation that i knew was going on and i knew go. that it was absent of any pastors or any voices in this that had experience so grishel and bobby are like look we've been in the church we don't we don't have these experiences, so we can't speak about it, but we can't avoid it because then the church becomes more and more irrelevant. Right. I've had experiences. I've never abused cannabis. I didn't grow up with it. I tried it when I was 37. I got my information from CNN on Weed's documentary. It kind of sounds boring, but then I started reading books about it. I started 
really diving into this. There's also huge medical yeah. benefits and huge recreational benefits. It's I can, I can, I can yeah. see our church now, Craig. I mean, it's just saying <laughs> this, you know, there's, uh, there's cannabis users that are like, they're probably not saying amen uh, out loud, but they're like, yes, amen. And then there are others that are saying the devil has walked his way into the church. I know. How, how, how do you reconcile people who say things like, you know, the scripture says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. Because when you're under the influence of something, whether it's alcohol, they would say, you know, you're, you know, Jesus, you know, the admonition, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. Um, admonishing someone to not be outside of themselves with an influencing substance. How do you reconcile someone who might use that as some kind of a huge pushback to Christians learning about or or even you know listening or hearing with open 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 hearts and ears? I used to try and reconcile it. Um, I don't have to anymore. Triple mm. uh, X Church from day one, we posted our hate mail. It was our most popular page on our website. Not mm. get help. Just let's let's pour more hate on these guys. They just want they want this life or they want to do this. Like I stayed in it 20 years and I think I kind of proved that those that were on the sideline, they can talk all they want about what I could do or why I was doing it, but they haven't been on that field. And so I feel like for me, I understand this with cannabis. If you go to ChristianCannabis.com right now, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. It says, what do you think about cannabis? 30,932 people say they agree with it. 17,674 say they disagree. And 9,471 are unsure. There's a new conversation. And to me, I think my role in this was just started. You know, these are conversations that the church, we can't just keep silent. So to me, it's right. putting out the information and gotcha. sitting with people, whether they go, man, I hate this or I don't. I ran, um, I started one of the, well, it, yeah, it, was, it is what it is. It's the biggest Christian influencer mastermind group. All the people with all the blue checks that are in all the Christian stuff. And I sat in Hawaii with this group two weeks after I flew the plane. And three of the people in our meeting said, man, I want to congratulate Craig and just, man, his boldness. But about a good group of that photo uh, group, when it came time to take a group photo, they couldn't be in a photo with me because it would wow. hurt their business or it would hurt their, their brand. And at their brand. the core of what I'm doing, I'm 45 years old now. I've got two kids. I'm not, I don't need to do this. I didn't need to, to abandon everything that I worked hard for. Um, I know I'm not wrong personally in my convictions with this, but when people tell me, oh, now all your influence is gone or you, you, you doubt the reasons why I'm doing this, man. People don't ask me the questions you do about my health or what got me into this. I didn't, I didn't have the answers anywhere else. And what I found was way more than what I thought I would just get medically. Um, and yeah. so it was like, let's start a conversation. If whether you agree or not, you can read like, right. I want to listen to people. I want to give somebody a chance on our website to say, here's my experience and yes. listen to experience and, and allow people to have theirs. You know, when the church, yeah. This was a church in Dayton, Ohio, a church up the road that called me a drug dealer and said, we will stop all support of all his other ministries because now he's, you know, a drug dealer. Cannabis right. is helping people. My, my wife, yeah. like, 
when we got into this, um, my wife, yeah, 22 years, like we had found out she had cervical cancer and didn't trust the information from big pharma and all that. And we were given access to Rick Simpson oil, um, which is a high dose of cannabis up to a thousand milligrams a day uh, for six weeks that I believe cured her cancer. And so when people say, oh, your wife got cancer because of your sin, you know, stuff like that, that we throw out. Like wow. That. Coming to the home stretch. Let me let me get clarity on the the maybe if there's a difference between, uh, you know, the CBD oil, all these kind of things. So there's there, there are products that uh, are used to mitigate pain, to do whatever that doesn't necessarily produce a euphoric high or something like that. And then there are those that do. Uh, are you saying that all all cannabis is equal? The THC is what gets you high. You can smoke or you can ingest tinctures um, that are CBD that aren't going to get you anything euphoric, but might have some healing properties. But we live in America. That's, that's, that's the medical marijuana. So people who say they want to go that route, their, their, their desire is that my pain, my inflammation, the issues of my joints, these things can help mitigate that. So a lot of people feel yeah. more justified about medical than they do recreational i'm not recommending you break any rules um you just you have a conversation so there's a lot of ways yeah. to play with this you can go deep with it you can heal with it but just start talking about it like yeah you're doing today. well let me say craig i am so grateful for you uh I, i'm thankful that i'm not one of those pastors that wouldn't want to be in a picture with you uh, i respect you i respect the jesus in you uh, I know that I am growing in my knowledge of this subject matter. Uh, there are lots, lots of pieces of it and parts of it that I'm still uh, growing in. And you've helped me learn some things today. I know you've helped uh, many of our listeners and church members today as well. Uh, but I want to end with this last question. And one thing that we're not doing in this series is trying to, uh, to talk about what, you know, what's right or wrong. I mean, you know, we, we, we just think that, that that line of thinking creates more separation than it does anything else. So what would you say to the Christian church as relates to its engagement with people who are cannabis users or who are, you know, I, I, I see that there's so much shame associated with people who use cannabis. And, and even though the church, I think, is full of people who are listening right now, that are regular cannabis users and all not, but they'll hide this or they'll put that away or that, you know, what would you say to the church as it as it desires to become more relevant? This is going to become bigger and bigger and bigger. And if we don't have a game plan about how we genuinely uh, not tolerate, uh, but genuinely have a open hearted love uh, and acceptance of, of people, I think we'll just miss we'll just miss what Jesus called us to do. I would say the same thing I've been saying since Triple X Church, like keep showing up. Um, in their spaces and places, you know, um, mm. I visited Ron Jeremy the last uh, last month twice in jail. Uh, Ron's was the most popular porn star, and I traveled the world with him for 14 years debating him. And I always said it's not about being opponents on stage; we're friends in real life. And I posted mm. something on Instagram, and people said, "I can't believe you know you're still supporting that guy." And so for me, whether Ron was in porn or whether Ron's in jail, I'm still his friend. Uh, we still have the same conversations. We still, um, wow. You know, that's, wow. That's the message of Jesus. Like it, it doesn't yeah. divide, it, it unites. And so to me, 
we're we have enough division backs on backs black white you know republican democrat um packers lions i mean come on lions like, uh, no. please come on lions right. i'm sorry detroit but <laughs> packer van here pray, so pray for us man so you know we don't need more division and so right. what you don't know you don't know and even in your city i mean there's something that happened last week regarding more plants and psychedelics that yeah there's another conversation after this one and you're going to be like oh my gosh like there's more things that we don't know and keep listening and keep showing up and don't be afraid um just love without expecting anything in return thank you for being a breath of fresh air thank you for being a man of god thank you for sharing uh what god has done in your journey and i and i pray as we pray for you that god will continue uh to allow you to be a bridge builder uh, that's who you've been since i've known you man um and it's what jesus is it's who he is and my prayer is that the church would be who he is i mean we're supposed to represent him and uh and you said something and i hope citadel hears this but you said show up in their space yeah show up in their space you you didn't say you know uh, when they come to your space this is what you need to do or when they show up in your space or when they come to your space and that has been the model of the church. Come to my space, come to our space, come to where we are. And, and that's never been the mission. Go ye into all the world, go ye. And we are not go ye in nowhere, brother. We're come ye in. And when they come, we're like, get be come here the way we want you. So we've missed the whole, the whole boat, bro. So uh, my prayer for those that are listening is that they ask themselves, who do I know that is a, a weed user, a cannabis user? And have I shown up in their space? Um, uh, and, and, and for some, they may not ever want to take it. They may not ever want to do it. Um, but the question is, do we honor people enough to say, I'll show up in your space? And I just think, again, you, you, you created this model, man. Thank you so much, Craig. We love you. We appreciate you. Uh, yeah, you're, you're going to say something else? I got to say it to your church. And I, I hate when the pastor do the whole, oh, this guy's this. And, you know. But no, your church, guys, you got to know Harvey. Um, I've known this guy. And I didn't know this was for church. And so for me, I've said one day somebody in the church will actually be willing to have the guts to have this conversation. So, man, nobody's talked to me about this in the church. So for this to be the first church that, actually, that I know of that's actually addressing this, willing to talk to me about this, where man, I've given, yeah, 20 years of my life to the church. And it's like, you guys got, man, I love Harvey. I love, uh, I love this church and what you guys are doing and just your heart for people, Harvey. And so, uh, it's just an honor to actually know. I thought we were just talking. Harvey sends me a photo of his self going, remember me? I'm like, Like, remember me? You still want this in church? So, uh, thanks for, no, this is, this is Sunday morning, man. This is prime time. This is not a, uh, uh, you know, afternoon Sunday school class. This is Sunday morning. You are you are that important to Jesus. You are that important to the kingdom, and uh, and your voice and what you have experienced and are experiencing needs to be heard. And so, thank you for showing up, man. And uh, we love you. We appreciate you. So, uh, God bless you, man. Amen. 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 Amen.
Listen, I want to remind those that are watching online as well as here in the sanctuary, if there are questions that you have, uh, raise your hand, and there are some cards that people will hand out to you. We're going to try to get to a few of those before we get to our final interview. Uh, let me just say again, Craig is uh, such an amazing uh, man. Uh, and again, you may have heard a lot of things that you did not agree with, and you will hear things that you don't agree with. That's the whole point. The issue is not so much us listening to agree, but listening to learn. Did you hear what I just said? We're not always listening to agree or disagree. We're listening to learn. Paul did not agree with the lifestyle of irreligious people, but to become a little bit closer to them, he had to learn who they were so that he could win them to Jesus. Are you following me? So we need to become better listeners than we do talkers. Amen. So excited about that. So again, if you've got questions, uh, raise your hand and they'll bring those cards, especially those online. Maybe you heard something in that particular interview that sparked a question that you would like to get clarity about. So this is the, uh, the last part of today. I'm so excited. I had a chance to connect with my brother this week in person, uh, but many of you know that the criminal justice system has become one of the most um, uh, challenging institutions in our country, particularly for people of color. Uh, particularly pe people in the inner cities of our nation. Uh, and there's a lot of talks about criminal justice reform and the way to make it better. Uh, but I'm just so honored to meet a man of God who's a part of our church family who is going to give us a little background as to what happened in his life at an early age. Uh, and that kind of really changed the trajectory of everything for him. So I want you to could, if you would, George, open up with, um, with your testimony of uh, what led you into that system, what happened in that system, and then I'll ask you some more particular questions as it relates to the church and how the church can become more uh, proactive and more involved in those who are both in the system and who come out of the system. So with us today, George Ferguson, uh, give us a big, give him a big Citadel welcome. So George, tell us a little bit about, tell us a little bit about your story. Uh, how did you, yeah, how did you get into the whole criminal justice system, man? Did you, you know, what was your upbringing like? Did you, did you become a Christian as a kid? What? Yeah. <laughs> that was a whole lot. But, but, but I was raised uh, by a wonderful woman of faith. My mother, um, like he said earlier, I, we thank God for having those praying mothers and those praying aunties. But uh, to, to give you a, um, a backstory that I found out maybe about five years ago, um, I was talking to my mother and she told, I'm the youngest of four, by the way, and um, she was telling me that she was gonna abort me. And she was gonna abort me because she was a single mother and she couldn't, ha she couldn't do another child. Um, but my mother got saved when she was, when I was in her stomach. I'm the only child that my mother was saved with. And she was in the, um, the abortion room. And she said the Holy Ghost came to her and told her, get up and leave. This child is mine. And I just, I just, I just learned that five years ago. So fast forward, uh, 1998, I was with a friend of mine and um, I was, a minor at the time and he was an adult and um, he asked me to uh, ride with him to go pick up his girlfriend from a strip club 
I was like, I got to ask my mama, <laughs> right? Because I was a minor. She let me go. It was Easter. She didn't want to, but she let me go anyway. And um, we were sitting there waiting on her to come out. And he looked at me and he said, he said, I'm 25. To that was his birthday, by the way. He said, I'm 25. He said, I've lived to see 25. He said, if I die, at least I've seen 25. 30 seconds later, the car door opened. There was a guy in a black mask, had a gun. He said, drive. The guy, my friend, he said, where? He said, drive. Boom! Blew his head off. So I heard, after I heard the shot, I, I instantly went dark. It, like, it went dark. So I kind of like wiped my eyes, and it was his brain. So the guy looked at me and said, drive. I hit the gas. I don't know where I'm going. I, he like, make a left. I made a left. He like, make a right. Make a right. Now again, it's after hours, so you know what happens when you, in the after hours. You know, it's a little still. It's quiet. Not too many people out. And we was kind of like in the cross streets, you know, between streets. And he said, you didn't see nothing, right? I couldn't see him anyway. He had a mask on. Click. He tried to shoot me. Gun didn't fire. Click. Tried to shoot me again. Gun didn't fire. He literally looked at his gun like this and got out and started running. So fast forward. Again, I'm 16, so I don't know where the hospital at or anything like that. I... The only person I thought about, you know, was his cousin. You know, some people would think, you know, take him to the hospital, call 911. But when you're in that kind of situation and you're a minor, you really don't know what to, what to do. So I took him to his cousin, and he was an adult as well. So we went to the hospital. We went to the hospital. They um, pronounced him dead. The, uh, the investigators, they... They questioned me for three days. Now, again, I still had all of his, everything on me. Questioned me for three days, and they let me go, right? And so now, and um, fast forward three years, and the reason why I'm fast forwarding is because nothing happened in three years, nothing. I went on with my life, was traumatized, but you know, you, you, you know, in the hood, they tell you, you gotta keep pushing. We can get into it because the Lord wants to keep pushing. Um, three, get a knock door. I was, I was I just off work. Get a knock door. FBI. And it's the um, detectives. And Mr. Ferguson, you are under arrest for murder of my friend. Say name. Why? Right. Right. Oh. Now, I know what I didn't do. Right? And three, just three years later, I'm in, I'm in the jail and I'm going through the system, right? And I'm going through all of these hearings and I'm going through all of these evidentiary hearings and these Walker hearings and I don't have a clue what's going on because I never in my life with the law. Never been in trouble with the law. So again, but in my mind, God, you know, you know, you know what I did not do. May 
I stayed in there probably about a little over a year. We get to the verdict. Now, I was charged with first-degree premeditated murder. The jury came back guilty, second-degree murder. That day, again, when you know what you did or didn't do, can't nobody take that from you. When they said guilty, I literally watch my soul leave my body. I watched if, if I can't really explain it, but I watched it. I know what I didn't do. So going to the big house, jail and prison, two different things. Jail, huh, there's hope because you can get out. Prison, you in there. Unless a law change, unless some legislators change, unless you got a, a, um, a pillant attorney, which requires money, you in there. 20 years old, never been in trouble with the law. I'm in here with the big boys, right? But there was something continually to burn in my spirit. Didn't understand it, but I knew it was there. You talking about, uh, what was that, Jacob? Wrestled? Oh, yeah. Me and God had a smackdown because I know what I didn't do. I know what I didn't do. So in there, some of the stuff I've seen will make an animal puke. But there was something in my spirit. As much as I didn't like God, I couldn't let him go. Because that was all I had. I couldn't let him go because that was all I had. So I said, you know what? I'm about to learn you. I want to know you. I don't want nothing from you. You know, a lot of times, you know, when we, we only go to God when we want something. When we want something. I want, and not saying what you want is relevant, but I wanted to know you. You're going to sit here with me. If you got me here, you're going to sit here with me, and you're going you're gonna to learn you. So I started breaking his word, and I started reading his word. Now, I'm still in here, and still is chaos around me, but I was in here 15 years, 15, and it's a struggle, right? Because now you're born again, but you're a baby. That's another thing right there, right? You're a baby. So I needed discipleship, right? So there was some brothers in there, good brothers, some good brothers in there. That's what we're going we're gonna to talk about that too. There's some good brothers in there. You can't throw them all away. But I started learning. 
And then I started learning. That's why, Pastor Kerry, I really appreciate you because you got this series to try to understand why people think the way they think. So I studied the Aryan Nation. I studied the Moore Science Temple of America. I studied the Nation of Islam. I studied Obadism. I've studied the Sunni, the Sunni Muslim. Sunni Muslims and the Shiite Muslims just to understand how they think but it was something about the word of the living God that I said this is it so in there as I'm started growing in the word again I'm still in the joint <laughs> I'm still in the joint fast forward I, I get up for parole now this is key. This is this is pivotal. Because when you seek in his face and you in his word and you fasting and you're praying and you're being faithful in the chaos is gonna have to be tested. It's gonna have to be tested. Case in point, when you go for parole. One of the things that you have to do, you have to admit to your crime in order to be free. <laughs> right. You got to admit to what you did. So even though I didn't do anything, it is stated in order to be released, you have to admit to what you did. And I remember, I remember the Lord took me to Matthew um, when they secretly had him on trial, you know, hidden trial, right? And they asked him, was he the son of man? And he said, I am. And the Bible says the Pharisees tore his cloak, right? What is, what is he saying? He showed me they wasn't going to understand my truth. I go in there. Explain to him. He said, yeah, Mr. Ferguson, we hear good things about you. You did, you did what you were supposed to do. You took all of your programs, everything you had to do. What happened? I told him the same story I just told you guys. Now, from the natural, if you would tell me that same story, I would say something is missing. There's a loophole. You're not telling me the whole story. But that's just what, what happened. They didn't let me go. They didn't let me go, right? So what did I do? Because God showed me ahead of time, they ain't going to understand your truth. So I went back to what I did. Because 2010, I prayed. And this is pivotal too. 2010, I was on my bunk. And <laughs> if a man say he never cried in the joint in that. But my sheet over I said, Lord, I want to go home. I've seen the most beautiful light that I've, I can't even try to explain to you what I saw. But it literally felt like I handed him my prayer and he took it from my hand. He said this, he said, this, he said he's George, I know you didn't kill him. Don't worry of nothing. I'll take care of you the rest of your life. This 2010, 
I didn't get it right now. So sometimes we think that God, we hear when God say yes, we want to internalize it and humanize it to the means right now. We don't operate. We don't operate in God's time. That way your steps will be ordered. He move, you move. Just like that. Right? <laughs> right, right. Oh, it's, it's deep. So they gave me an 18 months continuance. So now I'm, I am um, going up for parole again. And my mother and my, my stepfather came to see me. And that same mother who had the Holy Ghost, what I was in her stomach, she said, baby, just say what you can say to get out. And that's a mother speaking. That's a mother speaking. But I cannot compromise my testimony for the sake of being, could not, I couldn't stand here before you today telling my testimony tainted. Only what you do for God last. So I get there. She said, we know that all things work. That's my favorite scripture, right? We know that all things work together for the good or for the Lord according to purpose. That says, we know. So if you love the Lord, then you know. Circumstances in the situation don't make sense. It, it doesn't matter because you know. See, it is not to know and stand on the promise that he's going to work it out. So I get up there. I get up there, right? I get up there. My mother, you know, go on and tell, tell them, just say anything. I couldn't because my testimony. We overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb, Jesus, and the word of our testimony. This is how we get through our testimony. The testimony is so powerful. While we stop telling our testimony. But anyway, I get there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I promise you I'm going to get there. I get there. And the parole officers say, tell me what happened. Here it go. I told them the exact same story I told you. And he told me, he looked at me, he said, George, I believe you. I believe God got something for you. I believe your testimony is going to benefit young men and women out there. I believe what you say, and I'm going to let you go. Six years later, I stand before you, untainted testimony, non-compromisable testimony, but I stand to tell you that you got to stand on that living God's word, and you got to believe it even though that people that you love might tell you to compromise. But if you know what you know, can't nobody take it from you. Hallelujah. Woo! Okay. Listen, y'all, you, you can't that your story won't preach. And I think that the church needs to flip its focus from pastors being the only people that can stand up and talk and tell the truth and allow people that are just God. George, let me just ask you some questions, particularly related to the church. Now, you've been incarcerated. You oh, yeah. shared when we talked about how many um, people would visit uh, inmates and 
and the way that they would, uh, particularly the nation of Islam and, and people that are committed to people that are there. The Bible says Jesus mentioned that when I was in prison, you visited me. Right. When I was in the right, hospital, right. you came to see me. So what would you say to the church as relates to our responsibility for people that are currently incarcerated? What, what do we need to be doing, like, for real, on a consistent basis to let people that are incarcerated know that God loves them and Jesus more than just praying? On the real? Because that's all I know. We got to love them. We can't judge them because what we don't see is what they are going through and what they are experiencing in there. We see what they went in for and we see them as ex-convicts when they come out. So they might not look as you like you they might not know the scriptures like you they might not they might not have those fruits of the spirit they need somebody to lock arms with them and say i'm gonna I'm walk with you like what you say pastor carrie when when you give an altar call when the lord gives you unction to give that call and you admonish us to say hey i'll walk with you wow. so right. walking with them so you know, somebody's saying, well, what does that look like? What I mean, walk with them how? So somebody's in jail right now, and they got 30 years. Okay. And the only people that are visiting them are people that are not Christian, all right? So what would you say, again, this is not just for our church, but for other churches that are watching. And I know we've got some people that are here that work with uh, uh, young people, with teenagers and, and incarcerated youth. Uh, but we don't have necessarily a regular ongoing ministry to women and men okay. that are in jail. If every church would have some something that they're doing on a monthly basis, right. to, it would make a difference. Do no. you think it would make any difference oh, at all? Absolutely. It's because a person needs to know that you care above anything else. When Jesus walked the earth, he showed his disciples before he made them disciples that I care. I care enough for you to A, show you how to do what you was doing because he was fishing, right? And he said, so I'm going to show you how to fish and then I'm going to show you how to fish souls. So we have to connect with those prisoners in love in love because you got a lot of people that 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 go in there for different uh reasons they might be tax write-off they might be getting federal grants sort of is different but when you go in there gun hole about you gonna get delivered you're gonna live set free in there because it's a lot of believers right now free bound in prison so consistency with consistency so if if we have a consistent prison fellowship cuz women needs to see women men need to see men because I can't relate to a stripper who has been delivered but a stripper that has been delivered can relate. 
You see what I mean? So we need to set up a group of a group of people that is willing. The harvest is plenty. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we need laborers. Yeah, yeah. So again, I, I just think that we overthink stuff. You know, if 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 I got a Sunday school class, everybody got Sunday school classes. As opposed to just doing that class in front of the same people every week, why not just do it at the prison and then allow the people at home to experience whatever you're going to experience right. virtually? Right. Just we just to miss opportunities. We want them to show up in our space, right. but we refuse to show up in their space. Right. So you're saying going consistently. So here's the thing. So when people are returning citizens, they've been released and they're back in society. Uh, what are, again, some ways in which the church will approach? The reason why a lot of men don't go to churches is because men have a, a view of the pastor. They have a view of churches pimping people for right. money, whatever. Right. What are ways in which the church can become more attractive, more relevant to gaining people who are returning citizens or serving them? Okay. Um, real leaders. Real examples. Real leaders and real examples. Because my sheep hear my voice. That's what Jesus said, right? Right, and he calls himself the good shepherd. Good leaders. See, the attack is, is on men. The attack, the attack, the attack. So why come to church? Because the enemy is throwing the book at the men because the man, he's head. So I'm challenging every man in here, myself included, we got to be fishermen of men. But in order to do that, in order to do that, we must live according to the word of God. Uncompromisable, untainable. Un un untainable. Yeah. Well, let me ask this last question, then we're going to be, be done. So... You know this church, you know our ministry, you know kind of what we're about. I feel like we're on the, um, the, the cusp of, of something much bigger than we really understand. And I just think that we, we need to, to get a prophetic push uh, to move into what God has called. I really believe that God's anointing is on you. I really believe that you are a, um, uh, you have been kept by God from the womb. You've been chosen by God from the womb. And I said to you when I met you, we need to redefine what preacher means. Uh, and let me just say this, church, we need to redefine what preacher means. Because the moment you feel called, you automatically think pulpit and Bible right. 
and pastor. Right. And when you know that that ain't really me, right. you automatically nullify the call. Well, God must not have called me because I know I feel God to lead. I know I feel God to rescue. I know I feel God to change. I know I feel God to be a prophetic voice, but I know I'm not to be behind no pulpit with no Bible being no pastor. So evidently I'm not called. I came to say you are a minister of the gospel. There are things that you can say, you can reach. There are words that can come out of your mouth that will never come out of my mouth that I do not have the background for. And I believe that it's time for men like you, more women that are anointed by God, so that the clergy is not just a bunch of three or four people with Bible training, but some other people with some life experience that are able to be, come on, I don't, we need to redefine what it means to be the clergy. Amen. Did y'all just hear what I said to you? That means you ain't got to have no MDiv or no Bible degree behind your name to be anointed by God, to be a prophet to the nations, to be an apostle to people. Are you hearing me? So some of y'all know your call, but you've been running from it because you feel like I know I ain't called to be a pastor and to be a preacher, but I can't shake what God is calling me to do. Well, it's time to redefine what it means to be a called person. It's not just a pastor of a church. It's a prophet. It's an evangelist. It's a shepherd. Are you hearing me? If there's some people following you, you are a shepherd. If there's some people that can't, you can't shake them. You try to shake them, but you can't shake them. It's because you are a shepherd. If your heart breaks for people that are far from God, you are an evangelist. And you can't hide it. You can't help yourself. Every time you see somebody far from God, you cry and you weep because you're an evangelist. When you see injustice and you want to speak truth to power, you think you're an activist. That's a world term you ain't an activist you are a prophet prophets are those that God raises up to speak truth to power Hallelujah! when you can take difficult concepts and make them easy you are a teacher and listen that is a spiritual gift not something you get at Wayne State in a degree you better hear me you ain't gotta have no academic background and be a teacher you can be illiterate you might not be able to read a word, but be a teacher. I know some folk that can read all kind of stuff and they can't teach nobody. Because they don't have the gift of teaching. The gift of teaching is a stone you when you get saved. I wonder how many pastors are in the house. How many shepherds are here? I wonder how many, how many people that are prophets. So brother, I want you to pray. I want you to close us out and I want you to prophetically speak over this house. Pray over the kingdom and raise up men in particular that will be leaders and prophetic voices and shepherds that will be able to go into prisons and go into jails and walk alongside brothers and walk alongside folk that the world has thrown away brother I want you to speak a prophetic word so that we will be risen up in our spirit and as you pray that prayer we'll end with that amen go ahead be led by God pray for us brother hallelujah Lord God, we thank you today. We thank you for being the God of everything, Lord God. We thank you for being the God of truth. For your word says your Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth, Lord God. Thank you for this house, Lord God. Thank you for the house of Citadel, Lord God. 
there is something that was said, Lord God, that will stir up the gift in every man and every woman that is in here, Lord God, to do your will, Lord God, not in fear, Lord God, because you didn't give us the spirit of fear, but you gave us the power, the love, and the sound mind, Lord God. We all know someone, at least one person, that is lost. Give us the courage, Lord God, to say, brother, I love you. Sister, I love you. I'll walk with you. I'll disciple you. And if you ain't capable of doing it, come into the fold, and I can point you to somebody that can do it. Where we in the streets, whether we at work, Lord God, let your light shine, Lord God, because you're slow to anger, Lord God, and not wanting anyone to perish, not wanting anyone to perish, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come into repentance, Lord God. We thank you for your love, Father God. We thank you for the charge that was given to all of us. Join us together, join Citadel of Faith, Lord God, together as we come up with ideas and concepts, Lord God, as we collaborate, Lord God, and figure out how can we get out there? How can we get out there? Because you sent us, you sent them out by twos, Lord God. You sent them out by twos, Lord God, across the world. We thank you for your love, Lord God. We ask you to forgive us, Lord God, if we was procrastinating in the gift that you have stirred up, Lord God. If we purposely bottled it up, Lord God, we ask you to forgive it, forgive us, Lord God. We ask you to release that gift that you gave us, Lord God. Because it's not for us to have, Father. It is for us to give it away and to give you glory. We bless your name, Lord God. And teach us that whatever we have done, that your blood covers it. That there is nothing that that blood that cannot heal, set free, deliver, set apart. You are the undisputed absolute truth, Lord. And we should know the truth. And the truth shall make us free. So we thank you once again, Lord. And from this day forward, Lord, whatever you place in us, I will not contain it ever again. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Can we give God praise today Hallelujah. for Brother George, for his testimony, for his life? Hallelujah. Come on now. Can we give God glory for what God has done and is doing in the life of this man that the Lord has brought up out of a horrible place? Amen. And been a witness to us. Father, we love you. We thank you now for those who have an opportunity now to be drawing closer to you. Somebody's watching. Somebody's in the sanctuary right now. Somebody's watching online that has never accepted you as their savior, has never given you the chance to lead their life. 
as heads are bowed and eyes are closed wherever you are know that God is not here to judge you God is not here to look down on you but God is here to show you his love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son Jesus that whoever would believe on him believe Jesus believe what that he died that he rose again that he's coming back again that those who would believe in him would not perish but you would have life and have it everlasting hey citadel family and for those of you that are friends and partners with our ministry we're so grateful to have you uh, connecting with us this is our after service uh, question and answer time uh, what we've been doing and endeavoring to try to do is during this series we've been asking the members that are here present in the sanctuary to give us questions but also those of you that are watching on Facebook and on our website to also fill questions to us that we can answer and we've been getting such an uh, overwhelming response we decided to kind of create this space so that you on Facebook live and those on the website uh, can throughout the week get a chance to kind of hear our answers to some of your questions so let me begin with this question it says I agree that we need to go out and meet people uh, where they are including as it relates to cannabis use but how do we equip people to be mature and sharing enough in the strong enough in the Lord to influence rather than fall back into sin everyone isn't equipped to do this and not mature enough as Christians well it's very true the Bible talks about two categories of Christians uh, those that are mature Christians and those that are carnal Christians or that are baby Christians and so we never want someone who is not strong in his or her faith to enter into places and enter into spaces and situations that will cause them to be tempted or for them to stumble and so you all as we talk about those who are cannabis users we're talking about even those who uh, may own cannabis uh, restaurants or restaurants cannabis dispensaries uh, that you got to be careful of where you are in your walk with God in other words if you know that you're not strong enough in your faith and this is not just about cannabis use this is about anything as we talk about showing up in the spaces of other people, you don't want to show up in a space that would cause you to stumble, right? We would not want you to show up in a space that would cause you to fall into sin. Uh, many people that have struggled with alcoholism know that for them to be around alcohol, for them to be in environments where alcohol is sold or alcohol is available becomes an unnecessary temptation for them. Uh, many of them as they grow and they go on uh, and mature and become strengthened, uh, they're able to be in environments that don't bother them as much. But in, in the early moments, they don't get in those environments. So here it is. If you are not a strong Christian, we do not recommend that you automatically just recommend yourself in these environments that could cause you to fall into the very thing that you're trying to help people get from. You know what I'm saying? You, you don't want to say, you know, I've got a burden for people that smoke weed, and uh, I know that I used to smoke it morning, noon, and night, and it, make me, it made me just out of myself, and I don't feel like that's the best thing for me, but I've got a burden for them. Well, you may not want to go around the weed place where everybody's doing that that makes you might feel like you want to do that again. So we do pray that you would grow and mature in that but one other thing that was um, important in the question is it says that not, not everyone is equipped the church is about equipping the Bible says that God has given you pastors and teachers and prophets and evangelists these spiritual offices 
to equip the saints, to equip you to do the work of ministry. So outside of Sunday, we've got our, our Grow Hour courses and we've got Wednesday night Bible study. These offerings are present so that you can learn the tools or get the equipment, as it were, so that you're able to learn how to minister and be available to people that are far from God. So our prayer is that you would take advantage of those offerings when they are made available to you. Uh, this person said, I used to use cannabis when I was young. I am now 81 years old. Uh, I have friends who smoke it uh, for non-medical reasons, uh, for the high. I don't judge them and I pray for them. One of the things that you may have noticed in the uh, interview that we had with Craig Gross was him kind of delineating about the medicinal properties of cannabis use and then he went on to talk about some of the other uh, kind of practices or kind of uh, ways in which uh, cannabis can affect you. Again, you all, I want to be very clear. I believe that the church has to be very careful to not recommend anything to someone that would allow them to be under the influence of it. Uh, and, and that's just my personal opinion. Again, this is the, this is the Q and A times. So this is the time that you get to ask the pastor of the church, what is your view on certain things? In the space on Sundays, we're just kind of giving it what it is, letting people's voices be heard. But I think it's very dangerous for a person to be under the influence of anything that would alter your ability to reason, alter your ability to think, whatever it may be. So uh, I just know that this person says that when she's around people who are using cannabis recreationally, not for medical reasons, but just to get high, she says, I love these words, I don't judge them, but nobody says, I pray for them. So my, my, my question or statement to you is, are you praying for people that you know may be you know, in a different space with cannabis than they need to be? Some people are not just doing it for medicinal, some people are using it for recreational and using it to excess, excess. Um, I remember the scripture uh, that says, don't be drunk with wine wherein there's excess, but be filled with the spirit. Remember that? Don't be drunk with wine wherein there's excess. Well, it didn't say that wine was evil. As a matter of fact, if wine was bad, then Jesus is bad. You know, everybody was drinking wine, but he says, don't drink it to excess, all right? So he was saying, be careful when you consume anything that it does not create something that is now in excess. And now you're... Uh, under the influence of, he says, don't be drunk with wine. What? Don't be under the influence that wine can give you, but instead be filled with the Spirit. I would say, don't be high with weed, right? Uh, but be high on the Spirit. Don't allow something to get you to such a state that you're under its influence more than you're under the influence of God. But the answer for people that are in those spaces, not to judge them, but to do what? to pray for them. And I'm so grateful for our 81-year-old sharing that comment. Here's another question. What should be our response uh, to some churches who feel as if God only cares for our souls and not social justice? Very important question. What about those churches that uh, only focus on the soul but doesn't care about the issues of the day? Well, you all, I think that it's not a matter of either or, but both and. I don't believe it's a matter of choosing between the soul or society, but the soul and society. But I will say this, the primary job of the church is the soul. 
unapologetically. So for those that are listening, those that are watching that wonder why are churches more concerned about souls or why would they be more committed by souls? The Bible says this, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? Gain what? Equal access, uh, equal uh, representation under the law, that's justice, uh, equal pay, right? What does it profit a person to gain all of those things and still lose their soul? So you all, our number one job as the church is to care about the souls of people unapologetically. But I do believe that there are churches, there are communities of faith that also have a burden for the world around them. Uh, Wendell Anthony, the pastor of a church here in the Metro Detroit area, Fellowship Chapel, they are, he's the head of the NAACP. His whole life is committed to activism. Uh, he is an activist. And I believe that because of many of the things that he, along with the NAACP, along with Fellowship Chapel, do to advocate for African Americans and advocate for equal uh, voting rights, those things are important. So you all, I don't think that we need to, 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 to demonize or uh, uh, cast negative light on churches who are not socially justice active, right? Uh, maybe their focus is on souls. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, however, there are churches that are very much into activism, and to God be the glory for them. Uh, I just don't think that we need to make this comparison between the two. Uh, so, uh, it says, what should we respond to some churches who feel as if God only cares about souls? And not? God cares about both things. And I think the, ch the church should care about both things as well. Um, so back to the conversation that uh, we were having with Craig uh, Gross. It says here, did Craig recommend any tips on how to enter into the spaces of cannabis users or how to relate to them? Well, I think that there's a couple of things that you can think of. One is, and I think the most organic way of entering into spaces with people is with relationships, right? Uh, my thing is that uh, it's natural to begin to enter into spaces with people that you have a relationship with. Jesus went and sat at dinner with people that he met and he knew. It's easier to connect and to be in the space of somebody that you know as opposed to entering into a space with someone that you don't know. So here's the question. Who in your world do you know that is a cannabis user? Who in your world uh, that you know uh, may be involved in that in a deep way? Uh, and are you strong enough as a Christian to show up in that space and, and, and not be drawn into whatever that might be, but there to just love on them, have dinner with them, right? Uh, listen, as a pastor, I have gone to people's houses where they start trying to put up the liquor. I'm talking about put up liquor. I'm talking about gin and, and Hennessy. they like, hold on one second, Pastor. And I see them just running with all kind of bottles trying to put it up. I've been in situations where people have tried to put out the weed. And I will tell them, uh, did you buy that alcohol? Put your alcohol back up on your, you know, you, you ain't, you ain't going to stop drinking because I'm here. You just trying to hide it because I'm here. Put your stuff back where it was. And... If the, if the smoke is bothering me, um, then I'll figure out, do I need to open a window? Do I need to go outside? Because sometimes cigarette smoke bothers me. But if a person just got a new pack of Newports, they don't care nothing about it bothering me. They just got a new pack of smokes. So why are you going to make me stop smoking so you can talk to me? So the question is, when we enter into other people's spaces, right, are we willing to 
to die a bit to self, right? And allow them to be who they are in their space and not become who we want them to be in their space, right? So I think that one way that Jesus modeled this is when he showed up at the, the dinners and the homes of sinners, he did not say, well, almost, before I come in now, clear away all of your sinful things because the Son of God is coming in. He went in and he sat with these people as they were. And I think that one way that we can do that. So did he recommend how to enter those spaces? I think that's how we entered them. We entered those spaces by letting those people's spaces be their spaces. Um, I do think, and I'm so pleased with some of the women and men of our church who've been going out and giving care packages and love uh, packages to some of the women that are strippers and are part of the adult entertainment world, uh, to show up and just love on people, you know? Not showing up to win them, not showing up to tell them about Jesus, but just showing up to love them. If a new business, a cannabis business opens in your neighborhood, um, and there. Over in Hamtramck, I think they said a cannabis place open that cleaned the alley out uh, in Hamtramck. The alley has never been clean since Hamtramck been Hamtramck. Bottom line, the cannabis shop cleaned the alley. Man, wouldn't it be nice to say to that place, hey, thank you so much for cleaning the alley. Here's a gift basket for cleaning the alley and making Hamtramck a safer place to be. So bottom line, you all, there are ways that we can show kindness. There are ways that we can show Jesus to people without trying to go in there to fix them or to change them or necessarily to win them right off the bat. Because someone doesn't come to church uh, but knows the Lord, does it mean that they're not saved? Because a person doesn't come to church but knows the Lord doesn't mean that they're not saved. No, it does not mean that you're not saved if you don't physically come to church. Um, you all, I think several things. Uh, well, the Bible tells us that God um, invites us to be a part of the family. As a matter of fact, when he speaks of um, the church, he relates to it as the body of Christ, he, uh, uh, interconnected being the body of Christ. Then he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, one with another. Because uh, even, listen, even God himself is a God in community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God in three persons, this relationship. So God builds us for relationship. I think that there's something powerful about being together as the gathered church. However, if you are not able to physically be in the building, you are just as saved as you would be anywhere else. God is not uh, putting a condition on your salvation. Because you know what? There is no condition to your salvation. There's no, you cannot add anything to it. Now, do you, do you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I do. Do you believe that he's the only way to God? Yes, I do. Have you surrendered to his will and lordship? Yes, I have. Now, have you been to church? Uh, are you paying your tithes? Do you speak in tongues? Do you know the pastor's name? All those extra things? No. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are saved, and church attendance does not uh, does not negate it, nor does it add to it, all right? So please know that. Uh, but I do encourage you, all right, to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together when you can, all right? 
Uh, thank goodness for social media. Thank goodness for technology. For some of y'all that are watching this right now, had it not been for technology, you couldn't hear the answers to these questions. But you know what? It's something powerful about being in the room. I'm telling y'all now, I, listen, I'm not pushing any church, but there is something powerful when the people of God gather together. I, I can't explain it to you, but it's like, you know, it's like a, a iron sharpening iron, right? It's like uh, putting Kindle in a fire. You know, you got to put a, little, a lot of different, and the more um, logs you have, the brighter the flame goes. And so I encourage those of you all who are at home, you may be burning, but you're not burning as bright as you could if you're not connected with some other logs. So I encourage you uh, to do that. Um, okay, so here's a, how do I get my mind around the Bible saying abstain from all appearance of evil and the use of recreational cannabis? Great, great question. You all, when um, the early church was being confronted with um, uh, the, the, the Gentiles and the Jews eating practices. Um, the, as a matter of fact, Paul uh, would often be in situations where he was being ridiculed because the Bible says he was eating meat sometimes that was sacrificed to idols, right? He was eating meat uh, that in some kind of way was involved in some kind of an irreligious uh, kind of a practice. And so, Paul, in his wisdom, would respond by saying, if eating this meat offends you, then I will choose to not eat it. He did not say he would never eat it, but he's definitely not going to bring it up and eat it around you, knowing that it's offensive around you. Because the Bible tells us, let the strong bear the infirmities of the weaker one, someone that is grieved, someone that is angered, someone that is not sure of something. Well, I'm not going to take my practice and say, well, I could care less about what you're offended by. I could care less about what you're uh, grieved by. I'm going to do it anyway. Well, that's not the way of Christ, right? Christ esteems the other higher than himself. So here's the question. If I'm not sick, if I'm not ailing, if I just want to get high, um, is my getting high more important than someone who may see my getting high as a stumbling block to getting to Jesus? And so am I willing to put down me getting high so that that person would not have a stumbling block that gets him to Jesus. Personally, for me, the answer is yes. I, 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 it's, not, it's not that critical for me. I'm not talking about medicinal, because the question was recreational. It's not that critical for me to get high, and me being high causes somebody else to stumble. This is my concern, you all, uh, about the cannabis movement. And this is me, the pastor. This is the question and answer period. This ain't Sunday. Don't nobody talk about it. I thought y'all had a, 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 a no judgment zone. I ain't judging nobody. I'm, you asked me a question. I'm the pastor of the church. I'm answering you the question. Let's just say drinking ain't an issue for me. And let's just say getting buzzed is not an issue for me. But it's an issue for other people. Is me getting buzzed so important that I'm willing to be that and cause somebody else to turn away from God, to question what it means to be a Christian, and I can choose not to be buzzed, if I can choose not to be high, 
and help somebody get closer to God, then I'll choose that. So we need to abstain from things that appear to be evil. The Bible says that, you all. It just does. And you know what? I'm not going to make any excuse for what the Bible says. It says that. So that's what I believe personally. I think that if I am doing something. Now, um, oh, okay, so this, this, is, this is the truth. This is the truth. Um, there are certain series on Netflix that I do watch. There's somebody that's grieved by my Netflix selections. I promise you that. If they come to my house and I know that this person only watches Disney, only watches Disney, only Disney. I'm talking about early Disney, not like late Disney, not like modern Disney, like, but like, like Snow White, like, you know, everybody, that kind of Disney. That's all they watch. And I'm getting ready to watch Squid Game. I'm not going to just say, I don't care nothing about what you think. I, I have liberty. I'm going to watch this. I could cause that person to stumble by me liking a series that grieves them. So what? I choose not to watch the series. Let's put out Snow White. It was a very dark movie, by the way. Snow White was a very dark movie. It was a very dark movie. But I could pull out another thing. The point is this. I abstain from every appearance of evil if, as much as I can so that I don't cause people that are far from God to unnecessarily stumble. All right? Um, yeah, so here's the... Uh, how do we take part in inviting people who are coming from prison into relationship with Jesus and us? Um, I think it's some practical ways to do that. You know, when people are returning citizens, there's some practical needs that they have. They've got to figure out society. They've got to figure out life. Um, one thing I love that we did at one point here at Citadel, haven't done it in a while, we did Angel Tree. And Angel Tree was an opportunity for people that were incarcerated for all of their children to get gifts. And so on behalf of the church, the church would buy these gifts for kids. And each kid uh, and each family of the incarcerated person would receive those gifts. And when it was over and those individuals came uh, home, we were able to follow back up with those families and say, hey, we heard your dad is home or we heard your mom is home. And guess what? Now for four years, they've been getting gifts from us. Now that dad is like, I need to meet those people who've been giving gifts to my family. And we then wrapped around those services. So here's the question. I think more than just Jesus conversation, sometimes it's just practical conversations like you're back in society now can we help direct you to some services can we help direct you to some programs that may be able to support you and as it relates to the church i think we just need to be very careful about not allowing people who have had a criminal record to not be able to serve in the church now obviously if a person's record is connected with children or connected with you know maybe money we're not going to be like oh okay we're going to have you work with the kids or we're going to have you work with the offering well no there are other things that can be done but i do know that there are churches that do background checks we do background checks and as we have done that uh, we've seen things that have come up and I've seen some deliberation about people being greeters, about people being, you know, in the parking lot. Well, they did. So they've done their time. They've been released as a returning citizen. They want to work in the church. We can't let them do parking duty because they had theft records. I think the church has got to be very careful to be forgiving. Yes, we've got to be wise. 
We've got to be very mindful of people. We've got to be careful not to let them be involved in the life of the church. So I think that's one way that we can practically help those that are returning is, number one, find out what their natural needs are. What do you need? Can we point you in the direction of what you need? But also, as the church is concerned, uh, don't allow their record to continue to be their record in membership. You know what I'm saying? Now that they're a member of the church, let's not let their record carry them for the rest of their life. How can we... Um, be supportive of them, all right? Um, okay, so here are, the, here are the last few questions that I thought were really, 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 really um, important. Um, I don't okay, yeah, how do I practically support people that think because they smoke or use cannabis that the church doesn't want them? Bring them here. That, that's the answer. Bring them to our church. How do you practice? Because there's some churches that don't support and won't support people who are, are cannabis users. Um, and what's so funny, you all, is that, that he that is without the uh, sin cast the first stone. Uh, just because certain things are more uh, obvious, it becomes harder to hide that. But things that are not as obvious, people hide. And so my thing is that we got to be careful to not paint this picture of this person's valid, this person's not valid. Just, just, just bring them to spaces where they would be accepted. Here are the last two questions that I thought were so, so powerful, and then we're done for today. It says, how do you recommend um, us continuing these conversations? My prayer, here it is is that what you're seeing modeled on the stage, you would model in your life. What you are watching us do, not Bible thumping, not saying, well, this is what the word says, but just sitting and listening. I purposely am allowing more people to speak than me talk because I want to model what that looks like for you. So is there a space that you can show up in and literally go there to listen and to learn and not be the answer? That is how you can continue the conversation. I pray that you're not waiting for Citadel of Faith. How are we going to continue the conversation? When are you going to continue the conversation? There are some people that you know that I don't know. There are some relationships that you have that I will never have. And my prayer for you is that you would show up in their space or let them show up in yours and give them authentic voice for the purpose of listening to them and genuinely being curious. Can I tell you this? Um, I'm not trying to fix anybody. None of the reason that I'm bringing these people here is to fix them or in some kind of way to help them to be something else. I am literally coming to learn them. To hear them. You understand what I'm saying? Because you know what? I can't fix them anyway. The church can't fix them. Only God can fix them. But only God can fix them if he can get to them. And he can only get to them if the people who have him would allow a safe space for the person to show up in. Right? So how can we, you, continue this conversation who at your job can you bring to the house? Who at your job can you go to their house? Here it is. Here it is. Watch this now. Thanksgiving is coming up. 
Christmas is coming up. Which cousin can't you stand? Come on, don't look at me like that. Which, which auntie, which uncle, which relative is you like, oh, the last thing I'll ever do is go to their house. Ah, this could be the year to go. And when you go, you're there to listen. You're there to learn. And you're there to pray silently. Not like, okay, now that I've got the lay of the land and I know how much evil is here, I'm here to pray it away. No, I'm just here to be quiet. I'm here to show up. And I'm here to listen. And I'm here to learn. So that's how you can do it. Last and final question. I need to find my way, for I am lost. It may not be a good question, but I'm lost. Wow. Let me just say to you, thank you for the courage of just saying I'm lost. And can I tell you this? Every single Christian has been lost. Everyone. You might be looking and saying, oh man, you, you ain't been lost. Yes, I was. We were all lost and Jesus found us. So there's no condemnation. There's no guilt. There's no negativity with being lost. I'm glad you realize you're lost. That means you can be found. Some people are lost and they don't think that they're lost. You know one of the greatest things that I found as a pastor is that I sometimes have to get people lost before I can get them found. Because when people don't know that they're lost, they don't need finding. You know that you're lost. But can I tell you something? There's a God that found you. And he found you in just tuning in. And you might just think, I just clicked on, I just clicked on a website to hear about this or hear about the other. No, you didn't just click on a website to hear about something. Your lost condition cried out to a God that said, I need to find her, I need to find him, and he did. He found you today. And so if you're lost, how do you get found? Number one, he's found you because now God is speaking to you. How's he speaking to me? He's speaking to you in this moment right now. What is he saying? He's saying, I love you. That's what God is saying to you. I love you. No judgment, no condemnation. I love you. And now he's asking for you to do something real big. He's asking that you would just simply receive his love, right? That's what makes it so hard because we, we have a hard time believing that receiving something could change everything. He's not asking that you do anything because you really can't. He's not asking that you fix anything because you and I really can't fix anything. What he is asking is that just as you are, you come to him as you are. And so if that's you, my sister, my brother, and you say you're lost, Jesus is here to find you. And all you got to do is say, Jesus, I give you my life. You are my Lord. What does Lord mean? You're the one in charge. And if you say those words, would you say it out loud? Would you, if you don't mind, would you say those words? Lord Jesus, you are my savior i accept you say it out loud i accept you and that what you just did you went from being lost to found i don't feel any different well it's not a feeling it's a fact jesus has come now to live in you and so our prayer for you is that you would just grow and you continue to 
tune in and get a Bible. It's all online now. You don't have to even go buy a Bible. Just download a Bible on your phone, right? And begin to read it. Wednesday nights are Bible studies. Click on and listen to our Bible studies. Find a class that we offer. Or whatever it is that you can do to begin to grow in that decision, I tell you, this is the greatest time of your life. So if you're lost, no judgment. God loves you. He loves the lost. I was one of those lost people too. And he found me, and I've never been the same. So once again, online family, thank you so much. I know these were a lot of questions, but I'm excited for the opportunity to answer them. And listen, I want to encourage you to invite your friends and family members and coworkers and colleagues to join us online and listen into these conversations. This coming week is going to be a big one as we talk about the adult entertainment industry and interview some individuals that have come in and through that. Uh, I encourage those of you, again, that are looking for a church home, that you would consider our church family as part of your family. Uh, even though you may not live in the metro Detroit area, uh, we're so grateful for our online campus, and we're calling it that, so that we can literally call you our church family, whether you're in another part of the country or another part of the world. We love you so much. Citadel of Faith Covenant Church loves you. God bless you. God keep you as our prayer. Have a great week. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life. In Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer, and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us, and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT, or please visit us on our website, Citadel of Faith. Dot org. That simply spells C-I-T-A-D-E-L of faith dot org. All one word. We would love to hear your testimonies. We would love to hear your prayer requests. Know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone. Let's change the world together one person at a time. <laughs>